Um, this morning, as we um, really begin into this campaign, um, we're going to be talking a huge amount of pra- about prayer as we go through um, these uh, next few weeks. And I, I think, you know, we come to this point to, to begin to, to think about prayer. And, and it seems to me my sense is that actually um, for many of us and perhaps for us as a church in large part, it is something of a season of battle. There are many different seasons in Christian life. And, you know, we all have our favorite seasons in Christian life, don't we? We like seasons of breakthrough. Is anybody like them? Yeah. Does anybody like seasons of blessing? Does anybody like them? Does anybody like seasons where nothing happens at all and you can just, like, go to sleep? Is Is that a season? I don't know whether that's a spiritual season. But we're not so keen on perhaps seasons of battle, are we? They're the tougher seasons. But the truth of the matter is, breakthrough and consequent blessing doesn't come without battle. That's a spiritual principle, isn't it? And can I counsel you, um, just as we begin into, into this together, in seasons of battle, there's lots of things that we could highlight. But a couple of things, just as we were worshipping and praying, that were coming into my heart, is being charitable towards one another. Being gracious towards one another. I'm not a military man. I know. It's a surprise, isn't it? You've often thought about my bearing and the way I conduct myself. That No, not at all. I'm not a military man, but it would seem to me that if any kind of company of soldiers were to go into battle, if they're not gracious toward one another, expecting and believing the best of one another and looking out for one another, they're not going to achieve a great deal, are they? Being charitable, gracious to one another, thinking of one another, preferring one another, seems to me to be very significant. And, and one other thing would be just do the basics. Yeah? You know, we all want the kind of the dramatic, the, uh, you know, the extreme. We all want the kind of the, the outpouring moments and the, the kind of startling, you know, secret things as it might seem to us. But the truth of the matter is you don't get anything done without the basics. You know, diligently committing to gather together and serve one another and open up the word of God and to pray and to seek his face. And I say basics, and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that these things aren't profound and powerful because they absolutely are. But the, sometimes when, when the going gets tough, all of our Christian devotion gets going, doesn't it? Sometimes that can be the way. And, you know, we just go into some sort of survival mode. Can I suggest to you the best way to survive in Christ is to just sink yourself deeply into him? You know, there's a whole book in the Bible, the book of Ephesians, that just talks about being in Christ. In Christ. Because very profoundly and powerfully, that's the whole ball game for us. We need to be in him, rooted in him, established in him, abiding in him. That's how Jesus put it. And so I would just contend that's so important for us at the moment. Um, And important, perhaps, for the world in which we live. You know, we come to talk about prayer this morning. I don't know. I know some of your prayer needs. And, you know, I count it a privilege to, to kind of hear from some of you and to, to be able to join with you in prayer. Um, I don't know everything that's going on in every life. That would be kind of impressive slash weird if I did. Um, uh, there's a lot going on in our world, isn't there? Isn't there? And, you know, I, sometimes, you know, dramatic and, and disturbing things happen, even as far afield as New Zealand or oftentimes much closer to home. And they prompt us, perhaps, into prayer. And it's right that they should. 
It's right when things would confuse us. It's right when things would crash into us. It's right when things would seek to overcome us that we should, uh, once again, resolve to be people of prayer. We need to talk to God, don't we? Don't we need to talk to God? And don't we need to hear from God? I hear his still small voice speaking to us. He is our anchor in the storm. And he is the hope of the world that he chooses to make manifest in his church, which is you and me. I'm part of it too. But God chooses to make manifest the glorious hope that is in him through us. And so we need to know him. We need to talk with him and to be guided by him. And so we come to think about these 40 days of prayer and um, really, I have one question for you this morning, um, which we as a church are being guided into, which is, it's this question, do you really want to grow up? Do you really want to grow up? That's a loaded question, isn't it, really? You know, when we're kids, we're kind of, you know, when I grow up, I want to be. What did you want to be? Did you want to be the classics? Astronaut. Yeah? That's a classic, isn't it? I watched The Martian recently, and that's totally put me off ever wanting to be an astronaut. Uh, I wouldn't want to do that. I think my time might have gone on that front anyway. I think I vary between wanting to be an astronaut and a vet and a bus driver, because bus driver is so cool, isn't it? When you're a kid, is it just me? Uh, I, I don't know whether this is nature or nurture, but my boy is obsessed with buses. Buses are just the most exciting thing in the whole wide world. You know, we kind of, we want to grow up, we want to grow up, we want to grow up, and then we grow up, and we don't want to grow up anymore, and we want to go back to being a kid. Is that about right? Uh, sometimes that can be the way. Spiritually, growing up, it shows a huge promise and possibility for us, but it can be a hard thing to do. The Bible invites us into our spiritual growth and our spiritual maturity, which is really what we're talking about over these coming weeks. And in Ephesians chapter 4 and 14, thank you, Jack, um, the Bible says that we're not meant to remain as children at the mercy of every chance wind of teaching. You've got it there, I think, in, in the ESV. Uh, but I'm just reading it from the Phillips paraphrase. It gives a nice sense to it. Every chance wind of teaching. You're not supposed to be at the mercy of these things as though children. Instead, we are meant to hold firmly to the truth in love. And to grow up in every way into Christ. Babies are beautiful, aren't they? You're a horrible, horrible bunch of people. Um, aren't babies beautiful? Come on. All right, okay, good. If you don't think babies are beautiful, then there's something really, really wrong with us this morning. Um, babies are beautiful, except maybe like two in the morning, obviously. But generally speaking, babies are beautiful, and we love babies, and we'll do anything for them. Absolutely fantastic. And, you know, we'll, we'll tend to them and care for them and look after them and all these kinds of things. But when kids grow up a little bit, you know, if they kind of hit these kind of developmental stages along the way, and yet they're still kind of drinking just milk and haven't been able to eat any solid food, then we start to get a bit worried. Isn't that right? You know, if somebody reaches their 21st birthday and you've still got to take them to the toilet, then something's not going quite right, is it? You know, there might be something a bit wrong. Uh, you know, babies are beautiful, but it's part of the journey. You know, there's something incredibly beautiful in our spiritual lives, isn't there, about somebody becoming a Christian, 
choosing to surrender their life to Jesus Christ for the first time. Do you remember that day when you did that? Do you remember? That was a beautiful day, and not just for you, but probably for the people around you, because they were likely praying for it and longing for it so, so much. And then you chose to become a spiritual baby, and they were delighted for you. It's beautiful, but we want to grow. And we want those around us to grow. We're not intended to be at the mercy of every chance wind of teaching. The intention of God for his babies is that they grow up. Grow up, in fact, into the likeness of Christ. And you know, God's aspiration for you is pretty big. The Bible uses words like maturity, completeness, and perfection. To describe God's will for your life. I don't know. I suspect there aren't many of us that are narcissistic enough to think that we're heading towards perfection. If you look at yourself in the mirror, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you might think so. I, I, I think for most of us we wouldn't. But that's actually God's will for us in our spiritual sense. In, in every part of our being. God wants us to grow to maturity, to completeness, to perfection. Actually to be like Jesus. That's a really, really profound goal that God has for your life. I'm not sure what goals you have for your life, but I don't think you can find one that's better than that. Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you really want to grow up? The Bible says on one occasion that Paul, writing to some of those that he was discipling in Christ, he says, you know, by now you should be able to be eating meat I'm still having to give you the milk. You see, there's a possibility in this for us growing up as well. I don't know whether you've ever thought about this, but milk is given to babies, right? And, 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 and little babies, whether it be in the animal kingdom, whether it be amongst we people, they're, they're nursed and nurtured with milk. But of course, the mom requires meat or, or whatever your form of protein is in these uh, vegan-friendly days. Um, whatever form of kind of food that you want, you need something that is more complex and, and can I say, meaty, um, so that you can be the one who provides. The same is true in the spiritual sense. I want to ask you, as we go through this campaign together, who is it that you are nurturing? It's a little bit of an intimate thing, isn't it? When I say, who is it that you're providing milk for? Uh, I am, I, I've discovered... Um, this is probably sharing a little bit too much information. We're going to do it anyway. Um, I've discovered in having babies that, you know, very quickly, um, there comes a moment with a little baby where they, <laughs> it's, just, it's just how it goes, they try to make use of me. Uh, has this ever happened to any gentleman? I'm pointing it quite delicately. Um, but they, they, they latch on, and they soon discover that, that, that daddy's, daddy's, you know, equipment is useless. Utterly useless. I am useless. This is one of the most profound learnings that I've had as a father. I am very, very secondary. And all that I can do is just to help those who are primary. Um, but even though I am useless in the natural sense, I can get this understanding. I need to be growing up, consuming the meat, so that I can produce the spiritual milk. Have I just freaked you all out a bit? Okay, good. Okay. I'm going to have to try a lot harder. Um, come on. We need to be people who aren't just like waiting on others to give us the milk. But growing up in Christ, consuming the good stuff. Because there are lots of spiritual babies there 
who need the milk. And you can be spiritual parents. I say it again. Do you really want to grow up? If we want to grow up, you know, there's so much that we could say about spiritual growth, about what that looks like and how we can engage with that. But this morning, uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time considering six laws of spiritual growth. These are things that are absolutely universal and common, rooted in Scripture and the way that God has made you. And if we want to grow up, then we would do well to understand them and apply them to our lives. So let's dive in together. First up, we grow when we feed on God's Word. You know, there's so much kind of good advice out there, so many kind of ways that you can live your life, but the fact of the matter is you've been designed by God to feed on what proceeds from Him, from His mouth. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that's what you live on. And God invites us to, to dig deep into His word and to understand it and to see how it applies into our lives. Matthew 4 and verse 4 says this this is the words of Jesus People need more than bread for their life, they must feed on every word of God. And then Paul the Apostle in Acts 20, verse 32 says that the word of grace is able to build you up and give you all the blessings that God has. For his people, a word of grace, building you up, giving you all the blessings that God has for you. What an incredible promise if we will dig deep into the word of God. How can we do this? Well, we've got a handy way for us to, a uh, handy way for, oh, you're going to love this. Uh, a way for us to, to remember this. Would you hold up your hand? Hold up your hand. Just hold up your hand. Um, go, go right ahead. Uh, how many fingers do you have? Uh, five, okay. I was, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, what if somebody has six fingers? Um, but nobody does, as far as I can see. Five fingers and a palm. Okay, so you can make a grip. Can you make a grip? Okay, and it's when all these things operate together that you have a really good grip. If you grip something with one, not so strong, two, three. What on earth is Pastor Greg talking about? Well, here we go. All right, here is, here is how we can grab a hold of God's Word. And, and Pastor Greg has a ridiculously big Bible, so I can't actually grab it with my fingers. So I'm going to have to use this instead. Okay, but here, here is what we're going to put our, our fingers to work as. What we would say is, that first up, we, we hear the Word of God. It's good to hear the Word of God, isn't it? It's good to hear the Word of God. But the truth of the matter is, that the statistics tell us that you'll have forgotten about 95% of what I say this morning by the end of this week. It's just the truth of it. If you just rely on these two appendages on either side of your head and think that somehow you're going to be able to grab a hold of the Word of God just based on listening to me this morning, then I'm terribly sorry to tell you, it ain't going to do it. It doesn't matter how well I talk or how well you listen, it's not good enough on its own. My palm is not good enough to grab this book on its own. It'll be snatched from you. Hearing is good, but it's the beginning. Okay, well, what else do we need? Well, when we hear, we need to read the Word of God as well. Go to the source. Will you go to the source? 
Don't just allow me to kind of find nuggets from Scripture and bring them to you week by week. You need to be diving in. And that's where this book will be such a treat to you because it has daily prayer journals that have got really great opportunities for you to dive into the Word of God. It might be a brand new practice for you in your Christian faith. It might be something that you've been doing, but maybe you just need a, a spark or a, a kickstart again into this new season. It might be something that you do diligently, but still, this is going to be a treasure for you as you do it with other Christians in the church. You need to read the Word of God. But even then, it's not enough. You need not only to read, but to study. Study. To dig into it. To actually kind of find out more, to have conversation with other believers in your transformed communities, to, to, to get these kind of perspectives and insights and understandings into the Word of God. To hear, to read, to study, to memorize. I'm realizing at this point that I haven't actually yet used my thumb. Um, so my thumb can be memorizing. Uh, you, your bookmarks again. Would you have a quick look at your bookmark? You'll see on your bookmark that there are there. I think seven scriptures. And what we're going to encourage us as a church to do, we're going to kind of, we're going to go entry level here. This is not too hard. We can all do this. One a week. That's not too bad, is it? Can anybody remember one thing a week? Can we do this? Touch and go, isn't it? I'm glad you're not doing my grocery shopping. But, uh, you know, one thing a week. So week by week, we're going to learn how to memorize these things. If this was Sunday school, come next Sunday, I would probably have a chocolate bar to give to one of you. If you rem- Should I do that? Yeah, you're so easily bribed, aren't you? Um, we resolve to memorize the words of Scripture. What does the Bible say in Psalm 119? I have hidden your word inside my heart. Not I've hidden your word inside that book growing dusty on the shelf, but I've hidden your word inside my heart that I might not sin against you. What did we see just recently in the book of Joshua? You know, here's the word of God. Meditate on it day and night. Memorize the word of God. So here we're hearing, reading, studying, memorizing. I've just mentioned it. Let's put down another finger. Meditate. Meditate on the word of God. Think on these things. What is it? There's an acronym, isn't there? Replant that we can take from the book of Philippians. Whatever is righteous, excellent, pure, lovely. Whatever is admirable, whatever is noble, whatever is true. Think on these things. Meditate on the word of Scripture. Don't be kind of thinking that the challenge is how much can you plow through. By all means, plow through as much of the word as you want. But spend some time just thinking on it. A verse, a chapter, a passage. Consider what it is that God would say through his word. Invite the Holy Spirit to enliven and open the word of God to you. Meditate on it and then be assured that you can apply it. That you can apply the word of God. All this scripture that is God-breathed and is useful. That's what the Bible says. It's useful. This is not just pie in the sky when you die. This is for the here and now, isn't it? Now you see, if I were to say that I'm just going to kind of read here or read or study, just get a pinch hold on the Word of God, truth of the matter is, it can be snatched away from me pretty quickly. Has anyone ever experienced that in their life, in their spiritual walk? 
You're kind of touching, dipping in and out of the Word of God, just kind of hearing bits, reading bits, maybe just occasionally here and there, bit by bit. But before you know it, you know, the, the things of life come in and it's snatched and it's gone from you. The Bible is encouraging us here, and this is just a useful way of us remembering to grasp a good hold of God's Word, to hear it, to read it, to study it, to memorize it, to meditate upon it, and to apply it to our lives. Get a good hold of the Word of God. That's so important for us. God doesn't want it to be snatched from you. He wants you to be able to grab a hold of the Word of God and to apply it in your life. So our action step for these next 40 days is a daily time with God for 40 days. That's what it's going to take. You see, habits, they take time to form, don't they? They take time to form, except it seems, and I'm going to reference Judah again, the habit of picking your nose, which seems instantaneous. Um, he, He is already an absolute master of such things. But most habits, and particularly habits that don't come quite so naturally, I am disgusting you now, aren't I? I'm going to keep going. Um, Most habits, particularly good habits, particularly growth habits, they don't come so easily. In fact, um, sociologists and biologists would tell us it takes about six weeks to make or to break anything significant in your life. Is it any wonder that the Bible is littered with 40-day seasons or 40-year seasons that God is working in 40s? Maybe it takes 40 years when it's you know, really hard not to crack. Uh, but 40, these seasons, surprise, surprise, God knows people. It's a shocker. God knows the people that he's made. And so he says to us, take this time Commit to it, resolve to it, and see the benefit. Uh, Can I make a promise to you? If you say, I'll do it maybe one day a week. Or, come on, let's be honest again about our kind of usual patterns in the word. You know, kind of go, we go good to begin with, don't we? We'll hit the first seven days really well, and then something will happen, we'll miss a day. But we'll get back on it, and we'll go another three days, miss a couple of days. Go another day, and miss a week, and then we'll think, does God even want me to read the Bible anymore? I don't know, does he even love me? And we'll, ah, back and forth and back. We can't possibly hope to build these habits within our lives without a concerted effort. But can I say, if we will resolve over these 40 days, committing into this, we can guarantee that we will see the benefit at the end of it. We grow when we feed on God's word. Help yourself out. Set yourself a daily reminder on your phone. Set yourself an alarm or something in your calendar that will prompt you to read the Bible. Use an app like YouVersion or one of the other apps. You can actually get into kind of reading plans through them as well, and they can remind you uh, to get stuck into it. Help yourself out in this, but commit. We grow when we feed on God's word. Number two, we grow when we learn in different ways. Again, the Bible knows people. God knows people. Luke chapter 3 and verse 18. In many different ways, John, that's John the Baptist, preached the good news to the people. In many different ways, John preached to the people. And we all learn in different ways. In church, we kind of, uh, when we gather on a Sunday... 
we kind of focus quite strongly on just one way of learning. And that is where everyone sits down and faces the front and then one person talks. And you know that works just for some of us some of the time. It ain't going to work for all of us. Um, and it certainly won't work for all of us if that's the only thing that we're doing. We need to learn in different ways. We learn, yes, by listening. Listening. We learn also by watching or by reading, visually learning. We learn by talking, by verbally discussing things and processing things in conversation with other believers. And we learn by putting things into practice, by doing stuff, by being a physical or kinesthetic learner, they call it. There are various ways of learning. And, and over this season as a church, we're going to hope to apply all of these different ways of learning. Job chapter 33 and verse 14 says, God speaks in different ways and we don't always recognize his voice. Which says to me, let's learn how to recognize the different ways that God speaks. Let's learn in the different ways that God speaks. There's, um, there's a particular character that looms large in our house at the moment. And it's a character who goes by the name of Zog. Has anybody heard of Zog? Um, like two people. Zog is, Zog is a dragon. Uh, and, and, and Zog, is a, it's a book, it's a children's book by the author of The Gruffalo. Have you heard of The Gruffalo? Okay, I'm getting somewhere with some of you now. But this dragon, Zog, he has absolutely captivated the imagination of my boy. And so he is huge in our world at the moment. Um, but you see, my lad, he's got the picture book of Zog. Um, but he doesn't just have the book. You see, the BBC very helpfully decided to make an animated version of it. And we're so grateful to the BBC because now we can watch it multiple times a day. And so we're very thankful about that. Thank you so much, BBC. And, um, and so we've got the book and we've got the, the, the TV show. But not just that. We can, it has been made abundantly plain to me in my home, we can act it out. And why would you not? And so we kind of read the story and we watch it on the telly and then we run around the house with our wings outstretched, roaring and breathing fire. And, uh, and this is what it looks like to live in our home at the moment. But you know what? All of this has had an effect. It means that largely speaking, all of us, apart from with the exception of Nora, we'll let her off, we can pretty much recite this book word for word. It's just embedded within us. And, you know, you forget a lot of things. But I'm fairly sure that I'm going to be like 60, 70, 80, and I'll still be able to tell you the rhyming couplets of Julia Donaldson. And uh, it's all because it's going in in all of these various ways. Judah has taught his daddy well. We grow when we learn in different ways. And we grow when we develop spiritual habits. This is number three. John 13 verse 17 says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you practice them. It's so funny as I was opening up the scriptures this week. Honestly, that is a line from Zog. Um, the teacher in Zog says, now that you've been shown, you can practice on your own and you'll all be breathing fire by the time you're fully grown. I told you I could recite it, but you know, the Bible got there first. The Bible got there first. Now that you know, you'll be blessed 
if you practice them. It's interesting, isn't it? The Bible says that the blessing is not in simply knowing the things, but in practicing the things. You ever tricked yourself into thinking that the more stuff you know, the more blessed you are? Well, the Bible says, actually, it's when we kind of work these things out in practice that that's where the blessing of God comes. Developing spiritual habits. Again, Hebrews 5 and verse 14. Solid food, we mentioned this before, is for mature people whose minds have been trained by practice to know the difference between good and evil. And again, 1 Corinthians 9.25. All good athletes train hard and practice to get better, to grow up. They do it to win a prize that won't last. But we practice to win a prize that will last forever. We grow when we develop spiritual habits. Now here are the four habits that we're going to be focusing on. Our first habit is the habit of weekly large group worship. Acts chapter 2, you can look at it for yourself, verses 46 and 47. It describes the devotion of that early church and how they committed and resolved into various aspects of their faith together. But part of it was gathering in larger group corporate worship. It's an essential attribute of our faith. But not just that. That's not enough on its own. They actually committed also, and this is our second habit, to smaller group fellowship. Within this church, we call them our transformed communities. Uh, We describe them as, uh, as it were, extended families of missionary servants, disciples gathering together, sent out to make disciples. And so we need not only to celebrate and be inspired in the, the corporate gathering, but we absolutely must commit to being with one another in the small group fellowship. So that's weekly large group worship, Small group fellowship, our third spiritual habit. We've mentioned it already, a daily time alone with God. You know, I mentioned how in Joshua 1, God tells the people to meditate on his word day and night. Actually, that's the only place in the Bible where God uses the sense or the word of success for personal in the way that we think of it. That God actually promises success for us only in the meditating upon his word. That's what he offers. He says that actually you'll prosper in the land and be successful if you meditate upon my word. So our third habit that we're focusing on, daily time alone with God, and our fourth habit, the habit of memorizing God's word, those little bookmarks. Again, we grow when we develop spiritual habits, and those are the four that as the weeks unfold we'll be focusing on. Our fourth habit, our fourth um, uh, spiritual law for us this morning is we grow when we help each other grow. Does anybody ever need help? Does anybody, it's so good to say, it's one of the most profound prayers you can ever pray is, God, help me. Isn't that the best prayer almost ever? It's just, God, help me. That's such a good prayer. But we can help each other as well. Romans 1 tells us, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. That's what the Bible opens up for us. That is the possibility for us. I don't know whether you know, but in the Bible, 56 times comes the phrase, one another. That's quite a lot of times, isn't it? One another. Help one another. 
build one another up, encourage one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens. 56 occasions. Do you think maybe God is trying to get our attention? Do you think maybe he's saying to us, you need one another? You need each other? I absolutely think he is. God is telling us over and over again that the only way we grow is in community. The only way we grow is in relationships. And God uses a profound um, illustration for this in the Bible. It's the illustration of the body. And the Bible teaches us that as a church, as God's people, we're like the different parts of a body. Can't really do without one another. We need one another. Whether seen or unseen, seemingly grand or seemingly even, the Bible says, shameful. Uh, we need one another. Everything is needed to work together. This actually is one of the distinctives of the Christian faith. So many other spiritualities and religious worldviews would tell you that you actually grow deeper in them by getting away from other people, by finding yourself on your own just to kind of pursue God independently. But the, the Bible teaches us that while there is a space and a place for the private, we need one another. And we grow, and we grow to maturity when we're willing to grow with one another. Hebrews 10, let us be concerned for one another, to help one another, to show love and do good. Let us not give up the habits, there we go, spiritual habits, of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more. And so an action step for us in this spiritual law is to join in one of our church transform communities. Now, I mentioned before that we've discounted these incredible journals from, from £8 to £5 um, for, for all of you wonderful people in the church. But what we're going to do as well is we're going to say, if you will say, all right, I'll give it a go. I'll give this one another thing a go. I'll join a transformed community. If you will join a transformed community this week, then we're going to make this available to you for free. Oh, for free and um, just get yourself along to one of these transformed communities and get yourself plugged in journey with those people unpack the additional materials with them and you will see massively the benefit not just of kind of coming here on a Sunday and not even of just the kind of the private work that you're doing in your own personal devotion but that being with one another journeying and growing with one another. Um, I know, again, there's quite a bit of sickness, but just to help me for a moment, those of you who lead or host transformed communities, could you just hop to your feet just for one moment? And if you could do that really, really quickly, really quickly, like so quickly, that would be really, really helpful. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> and if you saw some of those people... Grab them at the end, and they'll tell you a little bit more about some of the opportunities. If you didn't catch one of those people, because it seems they're very shy this morning, then come and see me at the end, or particularly Ron, who's on the piano. Wait till he stopped playing, and then talk to me or Ron, and, and we'd love to get you connected. And yes, we are shamelessly bribing you with a free book. Um, there's no other way of putting it, is that we just are doing that. Um, be a part of a transformed community and see the benefit. We grow 
when we help each other grow. Quickly, we're going to run through these last few moments. We grow when we expect to grow. We grow when we expect to grow. Matthew 9, verse 29, Jesus said, According to your faith, it will be done to you. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? That the almighty creator of the universe, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb, the one who sustains you by providing breath in your lungs that you may enjoy another day, this God says, actually, I'll give you this autonomy, this power that you can choose to what extent you will grow in me. You know, it's these kinds of moments, isn't it, that in our human wisdom we think God's made a mistake. Wouldn't it be so much easier if he just automatically programmed us to connect with him deeper or grow more strongly? And yet God says, no, come to me. Come, want, have faith, believe. Our spiritual growth is directly linked to how we will long for God in these things. Expect to grow. And our last spiritual law is linked to it. We grow when we commit to grow. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, You'll find me when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. I love the way the message paraphrase puts that verse. When you get serious about finding me and want that more than anything else. You know, sometimes we fall into the trap, don't we, of thinking that this life, whatever that means, is stopping us somehow from connecting deeper with God, stopping us from growing, really? You know, it doesn't take much for us to kind of point the finger at somebody else or a different circumstance or something that's happened and say, oh, that's the reason why I can't grow in God. Really? Can we all admit to ourselves the truth of our lives? We're as close to God as we want to be. Isn't that the truth? How grown up do you want to be? How steady? How strong in him? How successfully living his plan for your life? We grow when we commit to grow. You can't really get anywhere in life without making commitments, can you? You can't lease an apartment or a flat. You can't buy a car. You can't take on a new job. Hey, you can't even sign up to Facebook without clicking a box somewhere that pretends that you've read all of that tiny little prints. Has anyone ever read that? Anybody, ever? Nobody, probably. But you have to make commitments in life, don't you, for anything, for anything. It's no different with your Christian walk. In fact, to fail to commit, to fail to say, yes, I will do this, is a sure sign. It's probably the surest sign of immaturity in any area of your life, and our spiritual life is just the same. And we can't really say, but what if I fail, or you know, I can't keep this commitment, because truth of the matter is, when we enter into any kind of covenant, any kind of commitment, 
well, actually, it's probably very healthy to say, I don't know that I'm up to this. Those of us who have, you know, stood before a minister and we've made vows of marriage, we've promised incredibly profound things. And to be honest, if we've thought about them, we've probably wondered, am I up to this? Can I do, am I good enough? Will I be enough? And, and, and the truth of the matter is, by God's grace and, and with one another's forbearance, we grow into it. Isn't that the truth? We grow into the commitment that we made once upon a time. Those of us who've had kids, you know, we've kind of made that decision or sometimes been surprised. But uh, the kids have come along and, and there they come and you think, I don't know whether I can do this. You know, they say that kids don't come with a manual. Truth of the matter is there are endless books that you can buy. But you still will find yourself utterly daunted and totally out of your depth. But you grow into it by God's grace. And because kids are surprisingly resilient and they do bounce from time to time, um, which we're very grateful for. Um, We make commitments and we grow into it. So this morning... As we come to a close this morning, and you know, our desire this morning is it's encapsulated in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 9. Our greatest wish and prayer is that you will become mature Christians, that I will become a mature Christian. And so I'm going to invite you to do something, and, and perhaps I could prevail upon a couple of you lovely people to help me. Lucy, would you mind? Thank you. And Ben, that's great. And what we've made here for us as a church, and if one of you just go down each aisle and just pass them along the rows, that'd be great. What we've made actually is a commitment, a covenant. Because as we've seen, this is something that we can enter into. If you just chuck a pile down each, uh, down each row, that'd be great. And um, what we've seen is that if we make this commitment at the outset, actually we will see a huge benefit in this for us. So what I'm going to invite you to do is to fill in this um, covenant for yourself. And part of what you're doing is you're doing it for yourself and saying, yep, I'm going to sign on the dotted line, as it were, to say, I am going to resolve into these things. You'll see on on your covenant, what you've got there is you're making a covenant to the daily rhythm of your prayer and devotional life. Ideally with these journals uh, that we're making available to you. And, and that's a huge part of it. You're making a covenant to, to be here week by week to open up the word of God as a whole community together. I know some of us shift patterns and working practices make that difficult. Please don't feel like you can't fill in the covenant because you know you're going to be working on such and such a date. You know, you can catch up with podcasts and in your transformed communities, but we're making this covenant to say, this is my aspiration, this is my commitment, and to commit also to be a part of a transformed community. What you'll see there is there's a tick box. So if you're not yet part of a community and you want help to be a part of one, you can tick the box there and we'll help you. And then a little ways down on this covenant, you'll see there's a space there for you to put your details in. And right at the bottom, there's also the opportunity for you to covenant to invite somebody. Because as much as what we're going to talk about over the coming weeks is about um, our own personal growth, like we've said already, it's about us enabling others to grow as well in their spiritual 
walk. So what we'd love for you to do is to think about somebody that you could invite to know that they can talk to God and that God wants to talk with them, that they can have a relationship with God and see his blessing in their lives. So if you could go ahead this morning and fill in those covenants, what we're going to say is we're going to invite you to hand them in at the close of our gathering, not so that we can kind of check up against the database and see who's covenanted and who hasn't. That's not it at all. But so that the, the elders and pastors of the church can join with you, a bit like what we heard from Bola before, joining our faith with your faith, praying with you that you will see success in your commitment to spiritually grow over this season. So can I invite you, go ahead, fill that in. If you want to connect with a transformed community, tick that box. We'd love to help you. If you've got somebody that you're wanting, loving to, to come and be a part of this church, this community, put that name down. We'll pray alongside you that you would see success in that also. All of this morning has been about asking ourselves, do we want to grow up? Do we want to grow up? Do we want to grow up into his likeness, Jesus? Do we want to believe for God's promise over us that we can be in this position as a church? Maturity, completeness, perfection, oh my goodness. God imagines, establishes, promises, speaks over us incredibly big things. And over this season, we want to say, yes, God, I will believe with you for the big things that you promise for me, for us, for this church, for my family, for my friends. Would you stand with me in prayer?